Jalea Marathon Show. Sponsored by Step Finance, your go-to DeFi portfolio manager on Solana. BitMEX, the OG crypto derivatives platform and the best place to buy your Bitcoin. Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Leia Hylpan Show. So this show, as you should know by now, is sponsored by the cryptocurrency exchange BitMEX. So as of May the 17th, so it's been now, they're launching a brand new spot exchange to easily and instantly buy and sell crypto. So to celebrate the launch of this spot exchange, they are giving away $1 million dollars in crypto to spot traders over the next few months. And this is one of the biggest giveaways I've personally seen in crypto. So if you do want to enter, I'm going to leave the link for you um, and more information about that in the description below. That's on YouTube. Um, it's going to be really exciting. There's a huge range of different assets that you can um, have access to. So I just want to say a massive shout out and a big thank you to BitMEX because without them, we wouldn't be able to bring you such interesting conversations, conversations which we're sort of not really allowed to have these days. Um, so I'm happy that BitMEX are basically helping us get the word out there um, about all the rubbish that is going on in the world right now. So if you are watching on YouTube, please don't forget to hit the subscribe button because we're always going to bring you top quality guests. And we're going to be talking about some of the craziest things in the world right now, um, which really is, you know, the clamping down on freedom of speech. So joining me today is Kenny Florian, former UFC competitor and color commentator for PFL and BattleBot. Let's bring Kenny in. Kenny, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm well. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's my pleasure. I'm super excited to chat with you. Um, you are, I think, the third fighter I've had on the show. Um, what's going on? Why are all you fighters interested in crypto? Um, I think you're more specifically interested in Bitcoin, but we'll get to that. Right. Um, but why are you into crypto? What, what's the connection here? Yeah, you know, it, it's a good question. I, I guess I'll, I'll speak for myself here. Um, yeah, I, I got in this space, I guess, in like 2017, um, got into, you know, crypto in general, uh, and then eventually, you know, just moved into Bitcoin, I think about a year, year and a half later. Um, so I I think for me, I like the idea, uh, first of all, of, you know, doing things that are a little bit differently, uh, they're a little bit different from what other people are doing. Um, and uh, I, I think that, um, I guess I'm a little bit more open-minded, uh, to things. And, um, I also think I, I have, I put a tremendous value on my time, um, as well. And, um, I, I, I was really intrigued with the idea, um, of, of Bitcoin, uh, and, and what it does and what it could do. And, um, you know, for, especially, uh, for the future, I, I think, um, I've always kind of been an optimist and okay. um, have always looked for ways to, um, you know, I guess be most efficient with my time and my energy and what I put into things. And um, yeah, and and I've always been curious about investing and, and having um, my money grow. And um, I guess well, back in 2015, 2016, when I first heard about Bitcoin, that was intriguing to me. Um, and then, um, you know, uh, I kind of went solely into that, I guess about 2018. So, um, yeah. And, and then I, I think like so many other people, it kind of drags you into, um, this rabbit hole of, of more information, um, and kind of unites many different modalities like philosophy and economics and history and, 
um, so many of those things. And and, and you realize uh, over time that um, I, I think the root of many of our, our of our issues um, has always been uh, the manipulation uh, of money and fiat currencies. And um, I, I think I, I don't know if everything can be solved by that, but I do think that uh, much of the world's plight is is, uh, re- I guess, revolving around that issue, um, you know, so. But help me here, because I know and I can just tell from your answer that it's so much more about money, right? Like you mentioned philosophy. Um, Mm. And I want to go deeper into this. And I want to understand the connection between, um, you know, being sovereign over your assets um, and fighting, right? Mm. And my, my, my like two cents or two Satoshis, if you like, is, you know, when you get in the ring, you have to take personal responsibility, right? Like you got to train, otherwise you're getting absolutely destroyed. I don't know if there's a connection there. What do you think? No no question about it. I I think that's spot on. Um, You realize that you are responsible for you um, in in a lot of ways, and the truth will reveal itself in combat. Um, And there is no hiding for the most part uh, in in the cage or in the ring. Um, And you know, the work that you put in, um, you know, especially over time is the work that you get is what you're going to get out of it. And um, I, I think that, um, that there's a lot to that. Um, and having that person responsibility, um, I, I think is huge for a lot of fighters. And, um, you know, I, I think believing in yourself and having that faith in yourself and believing in um, hard work and try not to let anybody take that away from you. Uh, I think is important. And I think over time, um, you know, you, you start to realize the value of freedom and your ability to do the things that you do and the things that you gain and the things that you literally fight for, that you become um, very protective of that and very protective of your time uh, and, and what you spend um, your energy on. Yeah. So you, in order to survive in this career, you had to take personal responsibility. You had to, um, you know, work extremely hard. And I guess, like you said, it's, you don't want that taken away from you. Um, And so politically, I'm always sort of finding that fighters tend to fall on one side of the spectrum. So why, so, so what happened when you started to be orange pilled? Um, Did you share this conversation with other fighters and do you think they tend to have a similar opinion? Yeah, I, I don't think all fighters share the same opinion, but I do think the majority of fighters do. Um, I definitely agree with you that uh, agree with you on that. Um, I have had uh, many conversations with with various fighters um, on on Bitcoin, uh, and you know, ex- I guess doing my best to explain how I see things um, and, and what is going on, and um, I, I think they start to see the same things and um, yeah, they, they eventually kind of fall down that rabbit hole as well. Um, so uh, yeah, I think that, um, you know, understanding that uh, valuing your time and um, you know, having that personal personal responsibility uh, has a lot to do with a, a lot of people in the mixed martial arts space getting into um, you know, Bitcoin and, and I guess other cryptos as well. <clears throat> I mean, speaking about the cryptos, when I was preparing the show, I was like, damn, this guy's a Bitcoin maxi. I didn't realize how hard on Bitcoin you are. So 
how did you come to the realization that Bitcoin was the main currency for you? And am I correct? You're, you're a Bitcoin maxi, right? Yeah, I, I would say so. Um, I think that, uh, you know, I am the kind of person that, uh, like a lot of people, I guess, I, I learn best by making a, a lot of stupid mistakes, mm. I guess. And, and so I think that I, I am open-minded and, and at times that can be um, a strength. It can also be a weakness at times. Um, and I've experimented with other cryptocurrencies. Um, but, and, and sometimes you hear the thing of like, okay, well, this is decentralized and this is a little bit more centralized, but not as much, but it's got technology that's a little bit more modern, a little bit more mm. advanced, and it could do this and that. But what I find is that, um, you know, from investing in, in some other cryptocurrencies, what I find is that um, they all succumb to the same, um, I guess, single points of failure and all succumb to uh, manipulation or um, I guess overall fuckery, if you will, <laughs> of, um, you know, of just different things happening, whether it's, um, you know, the majority of investors, you know, getting in before everyone else does and, yeah. you know, pre, you know, pre-mining or, um, you know, just kind of taking their money out and then leaving everyone else, you know, to hold their bags and everyone getting screwed. So I've been through a few of those. Um, and not that I invested a, a ton of money in it. Um, but when I did trade some Bitcoin for those things, I was like, man, if I just held Bitcoin, I, I would have been fine. And then I guess as I do more research into it, or as I did more research into it, um, I started realizing of, you know, <sighs> There's just so many um, less vulnerabilities with Bitcoin than than some of the other um, coins. So, as I you know realized that over time, I, I I just transitioned and sold everything else that I had and put it all into Bitcoin. Like I said, around 2018, uh, and have just it, it, I've just noticed that I'm just a lot more um, calm and not trying to mm. you know uh, let you know try try to you know score a a um, you know, this big gain with a certain cryptocurrency or whatever, I'm not so stressed. I'm just kind of being like, oh, this is the thing. There's a reason why, um, you know, th they have the highest market cap. There's a reason why um, it has less vulnerabilities. So it's just has kind of given me more confidence over time, um, having seen the ups and downs everywhere and having seen how Bitcoin has has improved and increased um and uh, become more popular overall, especially amongst large uh, financial institutions, uh, it's given me more and more confidence that, that that's the way to go. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, one cycle will do that to you, right? Like 2018 to get to become a Bitcoin yeah. maxi sounds about right. Yeah. I think a lot of Bitcoin yeah. maxis are being created right now. Um, but yeah. you, you mentioned philosophy. So I want to get into that. I really want to understand you know, because some people just look at Bitcoin as, um, you know, great technology. Some people look at it as this hedge against inflation. Others look at it as just, you know, gains or whatever. Um, but for you, it's philosophical. What does that mean? Oh, geez. I mean, um, I, I think there's a lot to it. But I guess um, the idea that um, no one gets the opportunity to uh, mess with um, the, the currency. No one gets to really mess with the value. It's a true free market and it's the free market really playing itself out. Um, and I, I think that, um, you know, 
if you are in charge of the money, if you are in charge of the currency, um, it a lot of times the, I, I guess the things like greed is going to take over or things like opportunity is going to take over. And um, I've found that when you have a certain group of people that is managing things like that, um, it's just, it becomes way too difficult for them to keep their hands out of the cookie jar. Um, Mm. And, you know, it's, it's happened throughout time. And you look at the history of fiat currencies. I mean, there's hundreds and hundreds of fiat currencies that have failed. Um, And there's like a a legit, you know, certain time uh, of that. Like, I think the average time is like 95 years or something like that. But most of them are in and out within like 25 years. My, my parents actually come from um, South America. They were both born in Peru. Um, and I, I know in my lifetime, they've gone through, I think, two or three different currencies. Wow. And I remember them talking about um, that and how, you know, the dollar was so much stronger over there as a kid. And, you know, um, so that was always kind of fascinating to me. But um, I, I think there is this um, beautiful open network called the Bitcoin network that allows for everyone and anyone all over the world to be a part of it. Um, and for me, um, one thing that I have always tried to do, which is an important part of my ethos, I guess, is just evolving. Uh, mm. I am, you know, constantly trying to become uh, a better martial artist, a better person, a better dad and all those things. And, um, you know, um, I feel like um, it, it is a natural part of of evolution is to find a money that can't be messed with. And I feel like um, Bitcoin is our kind of best hope of that. Um, and, you know, everything from game theory to, um, you know, peace to, um, you know, uniting everybody uh, under one kind of methodology that is actually fair, um, I, I think was was very intriguing to me. Yeah. And I think, you know, speaking of uniting, what I tend to find and what I personally love is how Bitcoiners tend to see the world in a certain way, which is a more logical, realistic and truthful reality. Um, so something which I see you're quite vocal on um, is just the world right now um, in terms of um, the incorrect information that's pushed down our throats. Um, you know, we were told that inflation um, is transitory. Um, we've seen them try and say that inflation is good because of higher wages. I think I saw something about it's inflation is good because it's better for the environment. I don't know what rubbish uh, I read, but I'm curious, given that our leaders are supposed to be experts in the fields that they operate, why do you think we are receiving so much false information right now? Um, Again, I I think a lot of it is motivated by two things, money and power. And um, I think it is to their benefit um, to give people certain information um, or uh, suppress certain information. I mean, again, I I don't think it's any coincidence that in in the United States, uh, specifically, I would imagine worldwide, that uh, we are not taught truly um, how how the fiat system actually works. Um, and that, that information, which is suppressed, um, you know, keeps a lot of people down, uh, and in the dark. And, um, I I think everything 
in general is an information game. Those that are privy to the information, those that have the right information will succeed. Those that do not, um, it not saying that they will fail, but it's going to be more difficult for them to succeed. Um, and uh, it's, it's become this uh, game of information, uh, suppressing information, disinformation, and saying what is politically, I guess, favorable to them mm. um and whether it's a, a politician or any kind of leader in whatever space or people that are benefiting from the system um of course they're going to you know fight something that threatens their way of life um it's this is human nature in general uh and when you begin to see these lies pile up and you get and you get a chance to see the other side of it or you get to see you know behind the curtain uh, which you haven't had access to, and then all of a sudden you see it and you see more evidence of it, um, then uh, you realize that this is a game that has been played for a very long time, whether you're talking about um, you know, the religious institutions that have had power, the religious institutions that have had power, um, you know, monarchies, whatever it is, um, you know, from all over the world, um, it, it's there is this struggle um, to gain power and keep power. And um, yeah, that that's kind of been something that has been quite enlightening to me, I guess. Was that something that you discovered through Bitcoin or you, or you sort of felt before Bitcoin? Um, I definitely felt it before Bitcoin. Uh, just, I don't know, you look at any space in a field of so-called experts um let's take the mixed martial arts space for example and i'm listening to so-called experts talk about it or a journalist talk yeah. about mixed martial arts and they're saying a certain thing which i know is absolutely false or inaccurate um you know i, I just like this that's not how it is that's not how the game is and if these people are are saying these things either they're ignorant they're spreading information uh purposely um, to throw people off or, um, they're just not very good at their jobs. And I think it's a combination of all three. Uh, and yeah. So, I mean, if it's happening in that space, uh, and then of course it's happening all over the world. Like, I don't believe there are many true experts in mm. different fields. I, I just don't, I don't buy it. I, I, I think that there's a lot of incompetent people, uh, everywhere. And a lot of people do what is necessary to do their job and just that. And then there's a lot of people who don't even do that. I mean, how many people are just sitting there miserable at their jobs and um, are putting in minimal effort and, you know, getting through their nine to five. Uh, so you, you start looking at other aspects of it and other areas of expertise and, you know, you start to realize, well, this is happening everywhere. And um, I don't know. And, and I mean, again, how many times have we seen just blatantly false uh, information about Bitcoin? Uh, uh, and these are like the biggest publications in the world. And you start realizing we're being lied to or, uh, again, people just aren't very good at their jobs. So the thing is, I think I would say that more people are waking up to this realization that we're being lied to. And particularly the whole men can get pregnant thing like that. that that's just this weird thing that's like popped up in the last few weeks. Um but my my question is, so it's 2022 and we, we can have these conversations and I, I don't think we'd be called conspiracy theorists, but if we had it maybe like two years ago, people would call us conspiracy theorists. So I'm interested, do you think 
that like elites, world leaders, the Davos people, because Davos is going on right now. Um, do you think they overplayed their hand to some extent over the last two, three years? And now, you know, people are waking up. I, I think, yeah, to a certain extent. Uh, and I, I still think people are, are still asleep. Um, and not saying, I, I think a lot of people are waking, uh, are waking up to it. Uh, but when you see such compliance globally, uh, with certain things that are in play and, um, I, I think they became more emboldened by it and mm. kind of are saying what a lot of the conspiracy theorists were, were kind of thinking um, and also framing it in different ways and being very subtle in, in how they uh, explain what they're doing. Um, a lot of this is about control. Um, you know, uh, for those that have ever, you know, lived in a community which has this HOA, uh, which which kind of are these board members in the community that manage the neighborhood. Um, there's there, there's a lot of tricky things that go on that go on there. And again, not mm. necessarily malicious, but um, humans in general aren't great at managing things. And when you talk about things like the economy or you know, um, the government in general in these massive countries with complicated infrastructure and all these things, like you're not going to get it right. And also like, as far as, you know, if we had 10 people and we all asked them what would be the best way to manage, you know, let's say a, a town, a city, a state, a country, um, it, it's going to be a debate over control. How do we control or allow for the citizenry to operate? Um, and there's varying uh, approaches and theories on that. Um, and for many people, they like nodding their head and saying yes. And I trust whatever the government, they have our best interests and I'm going to do whatever they say. And um, I, I think there's a lot of danger in that. Um, and uh you know, I think we we forget, especially in this country, that um, the freedoms that uh, we fought for and the freedoms that built this country and the idea of the United States is what makes us um, powerful. And yeah. I think we're giving away a lot of those liberties um, willingly, mm -hmm. um, not knowing uh, and not thinking about the long term. You mentioned um, before the church, you know, monarchies these traditional institutions from, you know, way back when, when, you know, they would control pretty much everything. Um, I've spoken to a few people um, and they, they sort of talk about us reaching peak centralization in 2025. And we do in fact, eventually move on to this Bitcoin standard, um, meaning this decentralized standard essentially. Um, so we've seen the power dynamics change. We've seen the, the power hierarchies change. Do you think the way the world is now and the, you know, the, supposed democracy that we have or these these two to the two system parties um do you think that's going to change and we actually will move to a decentralized standard oh geez i i don't know i i fear what happens if we go too far the other way i mean if too much centralization happens can we go back the other way that that, that i think is the question um especially in regards to um whether it's military control or, um, you know, that whoever is in control with governmental or otherwise, 
uh, and their ability to uh, invade our privacies and, and how we operate and where we're going and how we do things. Um, I, I, I fear for that. And like you said, a, a lot of that is being masked by, um, you know, doing things what's good for the environment. And yeah. what's hilarious, and, and I'm not the first to point this out, of course, but it's like all these people that are flying into, you know, the World Economic yes. Forum uh, <laughs> conferences on their private jets and, you know, getting picked up and 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 their huge Rolls Royces or whatever, and, you know, having the biggest homes in the world and having, you know, 40 cars or whatever are the people that are telling us how we should be um, living our lives to lessen the impact on the environment. I think what's really going on uh, is that um, I think they view it as a, a population issue. Now, why is it a population issue? Is because um, the more that, uh, and this is just, you know my opinion, I guess that if there is a larger middle class amongst this large population of let's say eight billion people. Um, that means that those people are going to be consuming more resources. And if they're consuming resor more resources, that means that there's less resources for those people at the top. Um, so if we can lessen population um, or keep people um, at, an, at an economic disadvantage, that means that they, they don't eat up the resources that I you know, get to value at the top. Um, I could keep everything for myself. Um, and battle it out with, you know, uh, my other wealthy friends. So I, I I think that's kind of what's going on. And we're seeing that kind of play out already with, with supply chains and energy issues and all that stuff. And I think that's really what it's about. It's um, I want these resources for me. Uh, and, uh, and, and I think that's kind of where this economic disempowerment is coming from, um, whether it's, you know, false narratives or disinformation uh, and things like that. It, the the reality is that every energy source or any type of energy production has its advantages and disadvantages. No matter uh, whether it's green energy or you know uh, oil or whatever it is, um, mm -hmm. it, it is what it is. And there's no easy solution uh, with 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 any of them. Um, so I, I I don't buy that narrative. I, I think it's. Uh, I don't know. Anyways, that, that's that. Those are my thoughts on that. No, I, I I agree with you. You're so awake. I love it. Um, I I just with everything that's going on in the world right now, I find it so hard to have conversations with people that just don't see what I see. Um, like I was at a gathering just a few weeks ago, and I I, I was just having a conversation with this guy and. Obviously, it got political because politics just runs through my veins. Um, <laughs> and I'd said to him, I was like, yeah, I mean, you have a president that like can't even string a full sentence together. And he was like, that's a conspiracy. I'm like, what do you mean? I was like, what do you mean? I was like, I'm not, I'm not. I was like, I was like he, he can't. I've seen the videos. And he's like, that's a conspiracy. And I'm like, what do you mean? Like, how is like, okay, they complain about the environment, right? And then you got them all flying in on private jets. Surely if they've really cared about the environment, they would have hopped on economy together, you know, on like American Airlines. I don't know if you're coming in from Europe, get on Ryanair, EasyJet, but they don't do it. Yeah. So yeah. why are I, people so asleep? Yeah, I don't know. I, again, it's, um, again, any, the problem is, is that like, you can justify a lot of different narratives and you can argue in a lot of different ways. And, and the key is, you know, and this is a very common saying, don't, uh, don't listen to what they say, watch what they mm. do. 
and, and I think that's the key. And, and people who are on the inside and and see these things really playing out uh, know what the deal is. And um, people just aren't being very honest about it. Well, here's something more positive. Um, Elon Musk um, is speaking out about it. Um, Jeff Bezos is trying to beat Elon Musk, I think. He's now sort of like talking about inflation. He's sort of, you know, yeah. calling out all this BS, um, which is fascinating because before, you know, you're conspiracy theorists and you're, you're, de you're deplatformed and everything. Um, so do you think more major influential businessmen, CEOs are going to start speaking out about this? Even celebrities. Remember, Kanye West was probably a bit too early to speak out about it. Um, so do you think more will? And then maybe that might wake up more of the population? I think so. And I hope so. I, I think that um, at the end of the day, what people need to realize, no matter what kind of position or what kind of uh, power you have, um, is that uh, eventually they will come for you, <laughs> yeah. um, no matter what you say or or what you do. Um, and if you are just sitting there and, and being controlled by a certain narrative or afraid to speak your mind, um, then this is what people in positions of power want. Um, and people need to realize we don't live in China. We live, we live in the United States and freedom of speech and our ability to say what's on our mind is one of the most important things that we have as a country. If that fails, everything else falls apart after that. And, and you know, I, I could even, you know, speak for myself. You know, I, I have a job. I'm in media. Um, you know, not that I have this, you know, burning desires to say all these different things to all these different people, but you know, you do feel a little bit limited at times. Right. Um, right. but I think when you're a Jeff Bezos or, or Elon Musk and you're like, wait a sec, I am one of the richest and most powerful people in the world. Maybe I should be saying what's on my mind. Maybe the media is going to say bad things about me regardless. And, uh, it's on me to just, you know, speak my mind and, and fight back to what's going on here. Um, and if you don't, you're a major part of the problem, especially you have, if you have the power to be able to change things um, and influence things. Um, not everyone is, is uh, influencing things in a positive direction or, um, you know, for the majority of people. Um, but I, I think that people are catching on and starting to see that, um, you know, this uh, th this curtain is starting to come down and, and things are being revealed. Yeah, I think so. And that's one of the things that I love about crypto. And I also think um, it's part, part of the reason why they're so anti-Bitcoin is just because of the, because we've created this community and safe haven, safe space. I hate that term. Um, but to talk about these things, um, and I actually did a podcast yesterday and somebody, um, they, they, they were London people, um, and they were really surprised at how blunt and to the point I was. And they, they you know, they just weren't used to it in the UK. They were just like, oh my God, like if we said that we'd lose our jobs. And so I find so much peace and like kind of reassurance um, in this community because you can say these things. Yeah, I, I think one of the things that is being lost um, majorly, uh, especially when it comes to education and um, just the overall narrative is independent thinking is completely mm. being lost. And, and, and I guess to go back to your first question, I think that's another thing. 
in regards to fighters is that you must think independently. If you just follow what is taught to you, then you are more liable to repeat mistakes and get caught in the cage uh, with those things. You have to be able to think outside the box and be creative and go, what is going to truly give me the best results? Not for Joe or Rick or Sarah or whatever. What is going to give me the best results for my performance in this fight against this person? So you have to be willing to, um, I guess, be be combative in a variety of ways and how you see things and how you train and how you approach things. um, Because you ultimately are the one that's going to either succeed or fail. Um, so yes, you have a team around you and you hope that you have the best people around you, but the individual fighter, uh, you know, ends up taking the responsibility, um, you know, really at the end of the day, and you have to be able to think independently, uh, you know, to, to try to find the best result possible. And I think that is something that is, is being lost today for sure in in the education system and, uh, and otherwise. So, um, I, I hope that this spurs a new, um, you know, I guess, um, age of independent thinking, uh, especially in a world where there's so much information, you have to be able to comb through it and find out what what really is the truth. And um, it's not always so clear. You're going to have to do the work and investigate for yourself truly, um, not just follow a conspiracy theory or follow what the media is 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 saying. Sometimes it's somewhere in the middle uh, or, or maybe somewhere where it's not even out there. You have to just go out and find and really think for yourself on, you know, logically of what what is it going on? What is making sense? And to be able to connect the dots in, in an intelligent way. I think you make a really important point because I actually um, think that life is the ring. Like I think life is the jungle. Um, and I think people don't realize how, I don't know if this is a British term, but doggy dog, we say, I don't know if that's, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. is that okay? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. 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 How, how doggy dog it is and just how rough it is. Um, and that's why you have so many soft, soft and entitled individuals because they think that they're entitled to an easy life. They think they're entitled to all these things. Um, and you know, you're in the ring and you know, you're, are you entitled to, to that belt? No. Are you entitled to the money? No, you have to work for it. And I think, that is why physical challenge is so important um, in creating a better society. No, no question about it. I think it um, it uh, it identifies a more accurate picture of where you fit into the world. Yeah. Um, but also, you realize that uh, everything is struggle. I mean, if you want to succeed in anything. Um, you have to know what failure is like and you have to know what it's like to come back from failure and you have to be able to pick yourself up. Uh, And also, as you succeed, as you start climbing that ladder, remember what it was like to be in that position and to constantly understand that we live in an evolving world that is surrounded by chaos and it's up to us to be able to interpret that chaos, uh, evolve and adapt. You know, we, we, we've lived for we've lived very well for a long time, especially here in the United States, where anytime I go to the supermarket, I can get eggs, I can get milk, I can get chicken, I can get whatever the heck I want. Um, I can go to my fancy supermarkets. Well, what's happening now is that those things aren't available anymore. You know, some of those things anyway, or uh, the majority of those things are becoming more and more expensive. Now, 
I'm in a position where it's not so much of a big deal for, for, for someone like me, thankfully, but for a lot of people that are on a very strict budget with large families or whatever it is, what happens when milk isn't readily available? What happens when um, eggs aren't readily available? Water, you know, simple things that we take for granted, um, you know, energy sources, all these things, the people are going to revolt and it's not going to be pretty. Uh, those that are weak will be left behind. Um, those that are stronger, um, you know, physically, uh, economically, whatever it is, um, will, will you know, probably succeed. So it, it, it is, I, I agree with you. I, I think that, um, you know, it, we, all the way from like the most basic form of uh, the most basic life forms, all the way to the most complicated ones, there's a battle going on all the time. Um, and a lot of it is a battle for resources and, you know, yeah. the most intelligent and well-positioned creatures will succeed. How do you position yourself? That's the question. <clears throat> well, how do you position yourself? <laughs> well, I think, that's just where it comes, that one. <laughs> yeah, well, I think that's what it comes down to, right? It's like, well, when, when things get crazy and when the money is being manipulated, um, what will remain? I, I, I do think that, um, you know, game theory and um, a lot of other things, uh, efficiency, speed, uh, ease of, of maneuvering. I think Bitcoin is that answer that people will have to transition to. Now, do you want to have to make that choice or do you want to um, be positioned before you have to make that choice? And I think that's what it comes down to. Um, but, uh, I, I do think things like the lightning network is, is uh, one of those, uh, things that has really taken things to, to a whole new level, uh, to ultimately lead Bitcoin down that, uh, medium of exchange, medium uh, of exchange route. Um, you know, I, I think Bitcoin is one of those things that if you have money saved, uh, and you wanted to store it indefinitely forever, um, that was the answer. But as far as medium of exchange, I think like the Lightning Network has taken things to a whole new level, um, which is very exciting. It's still very early, um, but um, I, I, that's what I, I think uh, Bitcoin is is about. Is now it's extremely volatile, and, and people always point to that. But um, you know what happens when you have no other place to go? What happens when you can't park your money anywhere else? What happens when financial institutions, governments realize that uh, they're in a losing game uh, and they have nowhere to go? Um, it, it's it's going to be interesting. So we have this civil war coming. Um, we've got the middle class dying out. Um, it's all pretty terrible. <laughs> um, so how, where do you see Bitcoin then in like 10 years from now? You know, you mentioned medium of exchange. Um, do you actually think we're going to get onto a Bitcoin standard? Like, do you think, this is what I think, just on a, just to make my question a bit clearer. I feel like all of us who are orange pilled or red pilled or whatever it is, are gonna just form this society somewhere. Whether, you know, whether Texas breaks off, I don't know, I don't think that's gonna happen. Whether it's Latin America, I don't know. I think geographically, we're all gonna be, we're gonna move together and live in this kind of like parallel alternative society. <laughs> what do you it's think, quite, It's quite possible. I mean, I think that's kind of, happening with with the current wealthy right and i think yeah. that 
every generation kind of experiences that, whether it's a, a tech boom or the oil barons of the past or, you know, the big industrial complexes that have been formed uh, throughout, you know, the ages. I think that um, there's another one that's going to come. And um, is that going to be Bitcoin? I think so. Um, but um, I don't know. You know, obviously it remains to be seen. Um, but when you look at what's happening and you look at, you know, the fact that there aren't many answers to um, many of the issues that are going on, um, I think Bitcoin satisfies a lot of those uh, needs. And, um, you know, there's a lot of governments that are experiencing a lot of issues uh, everywhere. Um, and the United States isn't uh, as powerful as it used to be. And if you look at, you know, the ideals, the American ideals and the philosophies uh, and the men that helped, you know, to, to find uh, this country and develop, you know, the Constitution, all those things. I mean, what's more American than Bitcoin? And um, sure. it, it comes down to uh, do you want to lead or do you want to have to follow? Um, and when you're talking about a finite resource or finite um, set of assets, um, it's it's going to be yet another battle for those for those resources for those assets, which I think Bitcoin will be. Um, and you look at where we're heading; everything is turning more digital, uh, and I, I think it simplifies things in, in a lot of different ways. Uh, so I'm I'm real I'm real curious to see what that timeline is. Is it five years? Is it ten years? Is it twenty? Is it thirty? I don't know, um, but I think that when it happens, it's going to be. Uh, very, very quickly. Uh, and as they say, gradually, gradually, then suddenly. So um, I, I think that's that's the way it is. And it's like, you know, uh, adoption uh, begets adoption and it, it spreads out, you know, kind of far and wide. But then all of a sudden it's just going to be um, this tunnel and this massive um, accumulation of, of resources very quickly uh, in order to save themselves. No, I totally agree with you. And I think it's going to be so interesting to see how it all plays out. Um, but I want to talk a little bit about fighting um, yeah. because that's sort of what you're, well, that is what you're known for from from uh, from before all of this. Um, so let's get into it. You've been in multiple main event title fights um, with many other big names like Jose Aldo and BJ Penn. So I always ask um, fighters, what goes through your mind being the last to walk out for a title fight? Um, you know, you're the last one there. How do you handle that kind of pressure? And you've got the music going and it, it's just a lot, isn't it? It is. Uh, I think that um, the biggest thing, and I don't think I really was aware of it in the moment, but it, it's such a simple answer and it feels like I'm, um, you know, choosing, uh, you know, the easiest thing to say, but it really is very true. It's uh, really connecting to your breath. If you're not very connected to yourself um, and if you're not breathing properly, I think that you're not going to be very present. And when you're not very present, you're, you're not focused on the task at hand and you start looking at what's on the periphery, like things like the fans, the fact that you are the last fight, the fact that it's for the world championship belt, the fact that there's so much money on the line, there's so much pressure on the line, your friends, family, people are watching all over the world. And, you know, I'm nervous. Being afraid to fail all those yeah. things, which really don't serve you in the moment. Um, 
And, and the reality is, is that, you know, for, for me, I, I put in so many hours of, um, you know, love and passion and sweat, blood and tears literally into my craft that it's just another day of me trying to perform those skills that I've accumulated over the years. Um, but it's hard to stay focused on that task, especially, you know, doing the interviews all week and the press conferences and everyone asking the same questions. And you start to think like the other people on the outside. Um, And that is something that I think I I really didn't understand so well as a fighter, as a professional athlete. Um, And, you know, it's like, you know, okay, just stay present. All right, that's fine. How do I do that? Um, and I think it's staying as calm as possible. How do you stay calm? Uh, breathing, connecting to yourself, um, you know, taking yourself out of the uh, picture if you need to isolate yourself. So I would, I would try to do those things, but I don't, I'm not sure I understood the importance of um, breath and meditation and how to stay as present as possible. And um, those are things that I'm still learning and trying to understand uh, to this very day. So I think I'm probably way more positioned to compete better at, uh, I'm going to be 47 in a couple of days uh, at this age, but my body is broken down. You know, when I was young and, you know, uh, you know, full of energy and ready to go, I I didn't have that uh, ability to always get centered. I'd have amazing performances and I'd be like, how did I was like in the flow? How did I do that? How did that happen? It's because I wasn't trying. I was just, you know, staying present and not understanding that process, um, you know, and still trying to understand that process um, is is a fascinating thing. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, you know, it, it's a performance. Um, and like when before I perform, if I'm like going on the news or whatever, like yeah. all this like negative like thoughts come into my head, and I have to like yeah. breathe it out. So like, how, how do you? How do you? I know you talk about breath, but like, can we can we go into this a little bit more? How do you remove the negative thoughts? You know. Um, because it's a lot. Yeah, no, for sure. The the mind is really, um, it, it's such an amazing thing, right? Um, mm. But I don't think it has, it, it plays a great part in performance, to be honest. I think that um, how we're able to clean and wipe that mind clean uh, and start from anew, I think is the key. That's when we're truly alive and aware. Yes. Um, and I think I have the the wonderful honor and opportunity of seeing that play out uh, with my kids, like it's forgetting that uh, a, a tree or great weather or grass or something as as simple as that that we take for granted of how amazing that is. And um, our mind will either uh, make something a, a bigger deal or not or um you know, you'll, you'll kind of look past certain things and you won't appreciate certain things in the moment. I think one of the easier ways to kind of talk about something like that, as far as performance is, uh, I guess, walking, um, I guess, a tight wire or a rope, a tight rope. Um, if that thing is one foot off the ground, we could probably cross that tight rope like it's not a big deal. Why? Yes. Because our mind is visualizing. And it's like, okay, that's only a foot off the ground. If we fall, it's not a big deal. And you'll go and do that 30 times and you'll be totally fine. Whereas we'll take that exact same tightrope and we'll put it between two buildings, you know, at the top of New York city. And all of a sudden it's a very different thing. Now it is because if we make that mistake, right, we're screwed, yeah. but did it really change? It really no. didn't. 
but our mind sees it as so much different. And now we're sweating and, you know, we're, 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 we're seeing it as this completely different thing. So I think our ability to calm down and, um, you know, I guess, uh, to take things from the periphery and be able to shut it out or bring things in to focus on. It's how we're able to focus on the important things or what we should be focusing on and also be able to kind of delete and uh, take away the things mm. that don't serve us. Um, and I guess um, being able to uh, siphon through those things and figure out what those things are, uh, it can be, uh, I guess, not, not, not to use a pun, but a balancing act, right? No, I like the pun, it's good. <laughs> Perception really is reality. Um, you're totally right. It's why um, they always say the, the cliche, like imagine the audience in their underwear or something like that. You know, yeah. So the pressure's off. It, it, you know, it's not so important anymore. You know, you're not, you're not going to fall between the two buildings. Um, the pressure's yeah. off. Um, but it's actually interesting because um, I, I, be, I, I sort of follow UFC. Well, I did more when I was younger um, because my brother yeah. was, is really, really into it. Um, but oh, cool. there's a lot of fighters and competitors um, of the UFC that claim the promotion has a monopoly on MMA. Um, we've also seen um, GSP become very influential in creating a union for fighters. So I want to know if you think the UFC has this antitrust issue and are you pro the, uni the unionization of sport? Yeah, I think that uh, whether the UFC has a monopoly or not, um, I think, you know, certainly there's a lot of other organizations that you can point to, like the PFL, Bellator, uh, you know, 1FC, uh, that have, um, you know, a great organization with, with that gives fighters options. I think where the problem lies is are, are the claims that fighters are independent contractors. Um, so, when let's say an organization like the UFC hires a so-called independent contractor, um, they sign them to, let's say three fights, six fights, eight fights, 12 fights. Um, they're an independent contractor, but they can't fight for anyone else. Yeah. Um, so that's where I think the issues lie. Um, and I know, you know, that the UFC has had some issues, I guess, with some of their contracts and whether those were legally valid or fair. Um, and, and that's kind of where, their issues um, have been in the past. So I, I don't know. I, as far as uh, unionization or uh, power to the fighters, absolutely. I think that uh, fighters should have way more power. Uh, there should be more bargaining power for them. They should have the ability to, um, especially if they're in those main events, uh, to get more money and get more power, um, as far as negotiation, how much they can make, you know, obviously Francis Ngannou, who is a Bitcoiner as well is kind of involved in that, uh, sort of drama right now. Uh, so I, I wish him the best. I hope he's able to do it, but, um, it becomes difficult for fighters to unionize, I guess, especially if, um, there are certain fighters that are going to be in more main events than say someone who's on the lower tier. So I guess mm. what, what needs to happen is the fighters do need to come together and they need to figure out uh, what determines the pay for certain fighters. And I think that's, it, it's going to take time um, and that needs to be hashed out. Um, but um, it, some, some kind of uh, determination of what fighters should be paid based on experience yeah. uh, 
what, 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 you know, where they lie on the main card. Is it a main event? Is it a non-main event? Are they a prelim? Uh, is this for a top 10 ranking? Is it for a top 20 ranking, a top 50 ranking? Is it unranked fighters? Is this your first fight? Is it debut? So there's a lot of different tiers, which I think the fighters uh, kind of fall into. And finding out what that pay is for that uh, level, uh, I think, is the tricky thing. Um, I, ho- I hope they're they're able to figure out over time. Um, but certainly, you know, an organization like the UFC is very powerful and, and uh, you know, they have the means, uh, you know, legally uh, and economically uh, to be very dominant over the fighters who have yet to really come together. So I, I hope some kind of uh, resolution uh, is able to uh, transpire, I guess, in the next, well, in the near future anyway. The reason I ask is because obviously you're a Bitcoin maxi and we all know, um, you know, what Bitcoin stands for and its philosophy in terms of um, free, enterpri- free enterprise and capitalism. Mm-hmm. Um, so do you feel, I know you, you know, you want to have more power to the fighters, but do you feel this sort of goes against the free market and capitalism? Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It's a, it's a tricky one, you know, because I also think that um, the fighters do determine that. Um I think that uh, here's where it gets tricky is that um, the fighters need to uh, fight for their value, right? You have the guys like Conor McGregor who has, you know, uh, because of his performances and because of his name and notoriety over time has uh, demanded, um, you know, tens of millions of dollars uh, to go out there and perform. Um, And he's got the numbers to back it up. Um, and, you know, those pay-per-view numbers, uh, you know, at, at the end kind of determine his value. Um, and the UFC determines his value based on the numbers that he brings in for for the company. Yeah. Um, but I think that when you, let's say, compare it to other, um, you know, I guess, leagues like the NFL or NBA or whatever, uh, and you look at what the UFC fighters are being paid uh, and how much how much the organization is being how much the, how much is being brought in by the organization, um, you know it's not it's not on the same uh, level as say the NFL. So I don't know. I mean, I don't have enough of uh, the the economic knowledge uh, of the different the various leagues, uh, you know, specifically of what is being brought in and what is being paid out to the fighters. But I do think there's a large discrepancy. Um, and I think it's up to the fighters to either come together or not, or, um, you know, don't complain and, and go out there and, and do their best to, um, win the fights that they need to win and, and go from there. Um, but, uh, it, it is tricky. And, and like you yeah. said, I, I think that, um, you know, with, with the free market, um, I, I think the options, um, can be somewhat limited you know the the Mm. ufc is certainly um a a leader in mixed martial arts and you have the best opportunity to make money in the ufc um but and 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 it's still new so i think there's a lot to be worked out and um yeah it's just a different environment also than when i was fighting certainly in what in what way um you know i i guess People might call me one of the early pioneers, but there was UFC fighters way before me, you know, starting in 1993. Um, I was in the UFC in like 2005. So uh, certainly the economics have changed significantly. I think there was like uh, the UFC was purchased in, 
I guess the late nineties or early two thousands for like a couple million dollars, $2 million. They're now, they they were purchased, um, what, five years ago, uh, by W WME for 4.2 or $4.4 billion. So, um, just that alone kind of shows you how far we've gone, um, as far as the, you know, the business and what they're able to bring in, um, so Kenny, what are you working on now? Um, you know, what, what are you doing? Um, I know you have a podcast, um, mm-hmm. what's going on with you personally? Yeah. Uh, thanks. Yeah. So I have a podcast, uh, John Anik, who's, uh, the, the play-by-play commentator for the UFC. Uh, we have a podcast together called the Anik and Florian podcast, where we recap, um, you know, mixed martial arts news and fights that are happening, uh, throughout the week. Um, and I am doing, um, color commentary for the PFL. Uh, they, they do shows on ESPN. Um, and right now we're, we have our, uh, regular season, uh, coming up. Uh, we have one more, uh, we have three more events coming up for the regular season before we, uh, get into the postseason. Uh, and then I'm doing commentary for a show called BattleBots on Discovery Channel, uh, which has nice. been a lot of fun. And uh, and then I got uh, I have a um, jujitsu instructional uh, at KennyFlorianMartialArts.com for those that are interested in, in martial arts and and, and jujitsu and uh, taking their game uh, up a notch. And uh, that that's pretty much it. Just staying busy and uh, yeah, trying trying to trying to do what I love. Good. And um, where can people follow you? Um, I know you mentioned the jujitsu, but where else can people mm-hmm. follow you, get in touch with you, keep up with everything that you're doing? Yeah. If, if they want to um, you know, follow me, I'm at Kenny Florian, uh, at K-E-N-N-Y-F-L-O-R-I-A-N uh, on social media. That's uh, on Twitter and Instagram. And uh, yeah, hit me up. Kenny, I want to thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure having you on. Um, You know, these conversations are so hard to have sometimes. um, And it's just so refreshing and just such a pleasure to speak with like-minded people. So thank you so much for coming on. The pleasure was mine. Thank you so much. Thanks, Kenny. And guys, thank you so much for watching. Don't forget to tune in next week and hit the subscribe button so you never miss a video. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.